The Alpha Sessions with Ron Laver. I'd like to welcome along to Alpha Sessions today, uh, Caitlin Quisenberry, and uh, she's in Nashville. Um, how are you today, Caitlin? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. It's lovely to see you. You as well. Uh, um, you grew up in uh, Denver, I believe. I did, yes. Can you uh, tell us something about what life is like in Denver? I imagine lots of snow and skiing and things like that. Is that, yes. It's, it's amazing because it, it does get very cold, but it's always sunny there. Um, so it's nice to always have the sunshine. Um, I pretty much lived my entire life in Colorado. All my friends and my entire family actually still lives there. But, um, and then just about a, a couple months ago, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. Okay, because you've been, uh, I mean, you've been putting out, I think you've put out about five singles this year, right starting from the beginning of the year. Were some of the earlier ones that you did recorded um, back in Denver? Um, no, so actually all of my songs were recorded in Nashville, um, but I was living um, in Denver at the time. So I was actually, the, the way it all happened for me was I was actually taking a gap year. I just graduated from Pepperdine University and I was taking a gap year studying for the LSAT. I was going to go to law school and become an entertainment lawyer. Um, I knew I wanted to be in the music industry, but I just went the very logical route and I was like, well, I'm going to be an attorney and ac actually make money. And um, so that's what I was doing. And I started to really miss having singing in my life. And so I just, for fun, I was like, I'm just going to start posting some singing videos on Instagram just for me and just to make me happy and bring back music um, back into my life. And so I did that and it actually got recognized by a producer in Nashville. And at the time I had never been to Nashville. I didn't even know Nashville was such a big music hub. And he invited me to um, fly me out to Nashville and to record with them and kind of be their breakout artist. They would kind of back me, help me get started in the industry. Um, they just really believed in me and my voice. And so um, in October um, of last year, I came out here, I recorded four songs and my life just kind of forever changed. Um, I released my first single in February. Um, it got picked up by CMT. Um, they put my music video on their website. So my life just completely changed. And I just thought, you know what, I can always go back to law school. Law school will always be there. But my opportunity to chase my dream and be a singer won't always be there. And so that's just kind of how I ended up here and moving here and doing this full time now. So you, you really hit the, the ground running with your first single, didn't you? Yes, <laughs> I did. But uh, I think I'm right in saying that um, you were taking acting lessons and uh, drama uh, from an early age, uh, way back in your early school days. Is that right? I was, yeah. So um, that's part of the reason I went out to, in, I went to college at Pepperdine was because it's in Malibu, California. And so while I was in school, I did a lot of acting on the side because LA is only about an hour away. And so I had an agent and a manager out there. And um, from a young age, before I went, was in college, um, when I was 12, I did a national Kellogg's Frosted Flakes commercial where I played tennis with Tony the Tiger. Um, I did a Dorito Super Bowl commercial, and then I was also on the sitcom, uh, sitcom on ABC called Blackish. 
And so I was a co-star on that. And um, it was really awesome I was able to just kind of, you know, do acting and school at the same time. It was crazy juggling both, but um, I'm really happy I did it. And yeah, acting is definitely another side of me. I also heard that uh, you recorded a, a four track uh, demo album uh, back when you were 14. Yes. Yeah, so that was actually the first time I'd ever been in the, the studio. Um, I was lucky enough to work with a Grammy award-winning producer, Robert Cotarella. And back then I was actually more of a pop singer. So I was doing kind of like R&B pop style stuff, um, just trying to figure out what kind of music I really like. And being 14 years old, you're just kind of, you're so new to all of it. Um, and so, yeah, I was able to do that with him. We're still really good friends. We, uh, we co-write together. Uh, just like a couple weeks ago, he was like, I had to write a song for Kelly Clarkson. Do you want to help me out with it? So it's, it's really awesome that um, we still have that relationship with each other and just able to progress it. But those tracks were never released then. They were just for your uh, personal use and, and... Yeah, so, I mean, it was different back then. I, I, um, they weren't released like on Spotify or anything, but I, ha I had like CDs made and stuff like that. It's, it, it's crazy how much the music industry has changed so much with the streaming. Um, but yeah, back then it was more just like you would, you know, you'd have like a hard copy CD <laughs> to give to people. So um, it's definitely evolved a lot. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine it has. Um, I also understand that you appeared on American Idol. Um, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, I, I auditioned for American Idol when I was 15 years old. It was the first year that they changed the age from 16 to 15. So I was by far the youngest contestant. Um, I was terrified. Like I, I still remember, you know, at that point, I was really shy to sing in front of other people. And um, my parents kind of pushed me to do it. They were like, you know, this will really get you out of your comfort zone. And if you can do this and if you can sing, for, you know, these amazing judges and be on TV, then like everything after that will be, you know, a walk in the park, like it'll be so easy for you. And so I was like, okay, I'll do it. And um, it was amazing. I ended up winning a golden ticket and going to Hollywood. And um, yeah, I mean, I have really nothing bad to say about it. It really helped me build my confidence. That's good. That's, uh, again, that's, uh, that's another, not, not an easy thing to get into, I imagine, with, uh, with all the, the rounds you have to go to before before you ever get on the television. Exactly, and so many people don't know that, but I mean, you, you like, they make it seem like you see the judges, like everyone sees the judges, but the reality of it is you, you have to go through like 10 different rounds of producers and, and executive producers before you even get to see the judges. So the judges are really only seeing about 30 to 40 good people and then 30 to 40 bad people or funny people for television purposes. So um, yeah, it, it looks a lot different um, behind the scenes. Yeah, I, uh, I imagine it is. I imagine it's completely different. Um, earlier, we were talking about your first single, Blue. Um, yes. What can you tell me about that? And, uh, you know, how it evolved? What's the story behind it? So this is not one that I wrote, but a really good friend of mine wrote. She wrote it actually about 10 years ago. And she was um, an artist as well at the time. 
and she was kind of going through this stage where, you know, she was getting older and she was thinking about kind of hanging up that, um, her dream of being a, a singer and just kind of like trying to figure out where to go next in life. And so she wrote Blue and it's actually a really sad song just about, you know, something you love so, so much kind of dying. Um, and it kind of took more of like a love story route when she wrote it. And it's kind of about the seasons of love where at the beginning, everything's green and, um, you know, there's hope in your heart and it kind of goes through these different stages um, and then eventually ends. And that's why the chorus is blue, a mournful sound, the, the palette saddest hue. And it's very poetic and um, it really is kind of what jump-started my career. And so I think blue will always hold a special place in my heart just because it was the first single I ever released. And, it got so much attention from CMT and just really gave me the courage to go after my dreams.
Alpha Sessions with Ron Laver. It's a beautiful single and um, your voice was likened to that of Alison Krauss. Yeah. And uh, having listened to the acoustic version, I can, I can really see um, where that comes from. Oh, good. Well, I'm a huge Bluegrass fan and a huge Alison Krauss fan, so that's awesome to hear. <laughs> your last year in college, you were lucky enough to uh, travel to Lucerne in Switzerland to uh, study opera. I was, yeah. So, well, it was amazing. I actually went my sophomore year of college. Um, so I was 19 and I turned 20 while I was in Switzerland. So I was pretty young. Um, it was awesome though. I was there for about six months. And usually when you're um, a vocal performance minor or you have an emphasis, uh, Pepperdine doesn't allow you to go abroad just because I was in the top choir. I had to learn my music. We were going on tour to Prague in Italy that summer. And so they were like, we can't just go off to Switzerland for six months. Like, you know, we, we need you in our choir. And so I made a deal with them. I said, well, I will find um, an opera singer at the Lausanne Opera House and I will go there three times a week and I will learn all my music and she can train me while I'm over there. Um, and, you know, I, I just like asked them if that was okay to do and they agreed to it, which was amazing. So I got to study abroad and I also got to be classically trained um, in Switzerland. And so it all worked out. I got to still go on tour that summer with my choir and um, it was amazing. I mean, I learned more um, from my teacher in Switzerland um, in, that, in those six months that I've, that I've probably ever learned in my entire, entire singing career, just because she was so strict on me. She used to, you know, she would like tap me on different parts of my body if I like didn't have proper um, posture or if I, if I wasn't controlling my breath properly. Um, and it was, it was funny because that's how we communicate to each other is through our body language because she barely spoke any English. I mean, she was pretty much all French. And so, but, but it was amazing that like with music, we really didn't need a lot of verbal communication. We could, we could communicate through our voice and, and through music and just through our body language. So it was really cool. What a fabulous opportunity for you. Yeah. We were talking about the uh, four tracks that you recorded when you were younger and you said they were pop rather than country. And also you've studied uh, classical opera. Um, so when did the idea, what was the spark uh, that set you off on the country music route? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, it was funny because my friends and family, they always told me that no matter what song I would sing, um, I just had like this country playing in my voice. And for a while, I just rejected that or I just ignored it. And I was like, no, I'm going to be a pop singer and sing R&B. And, and then I would just post covers and everyone in the comments would be like, wow, you just have like this natural country twang. And, and so as I got older, I started listening to that. And um, I mean, I, I'm so thankful that I was classically trained, but it's de like definitely not my favorite type of music to sing. And so for fun, in, in, when I was in college, um, I would just sing country music um, in between my voice lessons and in between singing Italian, German, Latin opera. And so it just kind of came out of nowhere, I guess. Um, 
my family, I have family that is from Louisville, Kentucky. And so maybe that's where I pick up my natural country twang when I sing. But um, it, I guess it just kind of found me more than I found it. And, and now, I, I mean, I absolutely love it. I feel like I finally found my voice and found what type of music I want to sing. And um, I mean, you know, I love experimenting within the country realm. Um, I've released more traditional music and more pop country. Um, and I think with in the next um, up, upcoming series of music I release, it'll get even more traditional. And I'm just really excited about it. Can you see yourself carrying on uh, playing country? Or do you think at some point you'll want to explore other genres? Or is that something you feel you're doing as you go along anyway? Yeah, um, I think I've been doing that a little bit. I think going forward, I kind of want to go into the more traditional country route and even cross over into bluegrass a little bit. Um, but I mean, who knows? I mean, I love like one of my idols is Linda Ronset and she was able to really do so many different genres. Um, of music and be successful within all of them. So I really do admire that because I don't think that artists need to like necessarily pigeonhole themselves into, you know, only this type of, of music and it has to be traditional or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, right now I'm gonna focus on being more traditional, but I definitely will keep the opportunity open in the future to, you know, just take, take my create creativity wherever it needs to go. Yeah, that's a that's a great example that you you gave there of uh, Linda Ronstadt, and such a huge tragedy that she can no longer perform. Did a documentary come out about six months ago that I was able to see in the theaters before everything locked down, and it was amazing. So I definitely recommend it for anyone who um, doesn't know a lot about her um, to look up her documentary and, and watch it because it's it's really amazing. Yeah, she's she was an ama amazing voice. Um, you mentioned Linda Ronstadt there. Who else um, has inspired you in country or, or any other genre? Um, I mean, I love the oldies. I love Emmylou Harris. I love Dolly Parton. Um, Guy-wise, I love Chris Stapleton and Tyler Childers. Um, the reason I really like those those guys is just because they have so much soul when they sing. Um, and anyone that's able to like just make make me stop doing everything else and just listen to them um, really gets me. And I'm a huge sucker for lyrics. Ever since I moved to Nashville, I've gotten really into songwriting. And I kind of hope that in the future we go back to the lyric and the importance of lyrics. And I think that's what Chris Stapleton and Tyler Childers do. So I absolutely love them. Mm. And that's that's what country music is about, isn't it? It's about telling the story. I mean, you've got to have a good tune. You've got to have a good tune, but uh, telling the story is the... Yes, and I think that's partly why I love country music so much, is, is the story. You mentioned uh, Dolly Parton there. Um, one of your earlier singles was uh, called Imogene. Is that how you pronounce it? I'm a gene, yes. Um, but uh, it's got a sort of uh, um, bluegrass feel uh, right near the beginning uh, when you start singing. And 
definitely a touch of Dolly Parton there, definitely. Oh, good. Well, that's a great compliment. <laughs> uh, let's turn to covers now. I haven't seen a huge number on your uh, on your YouTube feed, but I know you do do some. I do. I love doing covers. I actually have even been thinking about releasing um, a few covers to Spotify and just really making them my own and changing them up. And you've recorded one for us today as well. Um, uh, Rhiannon, Stevie Nicks and, and Fleet, Fleetwood Mac song. What, uh, what, what do you like about that song? Um, you know, ever since the, that Cranberry Challenge went viral with the Fleetwood um, Mac Dream song on TikTok, um, I just remembered how much I love Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac. And so I actually did my own rendition of the Cranberry Challenge with, uh, with that song. And... And um, I sang the song Dreams, and a lot of people in the comments were like, you sound like Stevie Nicks, like, is that actually you singing? And, um, and so I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to do more Stevie Nicks covers. And so that's why I chose Rhiannon uh, to sing today for this interview. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I kind of made it my own, and it's kind of a song that I've been thinking about releasing um, as a cover on Spotify.
The Alpha Sessions with Ron Laver. Let's talk about songwriting now. Um, what is the songwriting process for you? What, what inspires you to write? Um, you know, it, it just depends. I think sometimes I grab from experiences that I've had in my life and then I just, they kind of take their own creative turn. I love to co-write, but I also love writing on my own. And um, I don't, I'm not amazing at guitar or piano. So I actually just write acapella and I kind of come up with the melody and write with lyrics and then I present it to my guitarist and he, I'll just sing it acapella to him and he'll just find the chords underneath me. And so that's kind of the process I do right now. Um, I'll even finish a song and then I'll bring in another writer and I'll, and I'll be like, what do you think this song needs? You know, like, what are you hearing? I just need an outside perspective. Because um, sometimes when you write, you, you can't really hear that. You're, you're so close to it. You know, it's like your song is like your baby. Um, and so it's good to get another ear on it and, and an outside perspective. Do you do you visualize or do you do you hear the chord patterns that you want playing under? How, how do you explain those? How do you explain that to your guitarist? Or does he know you so well that? It's incredibly hard. Um, it's really funny because yeah, he'll be like, "Well, like, do you like this way?" And I'll be like, "No, not like that." And he'll be like, "Okay, do you like this?" And I'll be like, "Uh, closer." And he'll be like, "Okay, how about this?" And I'll be like, "Yeah, that's it. That's it." So it's kind of like a trial and error thing because I definitely hear it in my head, which is weird because I'm really not awesome at guitar. Um, I'm actually learning. He's teaching me. He's uh, we're gonna do guitar lessons once a week, so that'll hopefully help me in the future. But right now, it's yeah, it's weird because I hear it in my head, and so it's just kind of a trial and error until he also can get it to where, where I'm hearing it. <laughs> well, the the important thing is that you know what you want and, and you can explain that yeah. uh, to the musicians. I, I, I guess you've got a, a a pretty good guitarist there who can help you out as well. I do. I have an amazing guitarist. I think I've read or heard somewhere that you do actually sometimes record a cappella. Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, I think when you actually do record acapella, you can really hear um, the lyrics and you can hear like what the song needs without, before you fill in all the instruments. Um, you know, do you need to take the song to, to, you know, does it need to grow and do you need to make the, the chord higher at that part? And, and I think it's easier to hear acapella um, before you have all the instruments kind of blocking that. That's very interesting. I, I never thought of it like that way. But uh, yeah, I, I, I can totally understand what you're saying there. Before we go much further, I think we ought to mention that you've got a, your current single out, Get Loud With Me. And uh, you've also just recently released a video to go with it. I did. Yeah, it was awesome, actually. I mean, the song itself is just about life's clock not stopping and it's constantly ticking by. And so just to make the most of it, live, live a fast and fun life. And, um, you know, I, when I first heard the song, I was like, oh, this is like a fun dance. Like I just pictured like a nightclub scene. But the director of my music video, he completely took it in a completely different direction than I had originally envisioned, but I absolutely loved it. And he said to me, he's like, when I listen to a song, I, I'm not really focused on the lyrics as much as I want to know how the song makes me feel. And then I want to run with the storyline of how the song's making me feel. 
And so he came up with this awesome kind of like Bonnie and Clyde um, type of, of, of script where you don't know what's happening. Um, there's a scene where my like love interest in, in the video is tied up and I come by with a knife and everyone's kind of like, what are you going to do? Are you, are you going to like kill this guy or what's happening? And, and then I set him free and we run off and um, we go to this awesome waterfall and it's just kind of about just embracing life, living, um, you know, life to the fullest and enjoying it and not taking it too seriously. And um, it's a super fun one and it's been getting really good feedback um, through streams on Spotify. And I think the music video turned out amazing. And, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm super happy with it. I've, I've really enjoyed the video and particularly the part you were talking about there about the, uh, the mounting uh, waterfall and, and the, the pool below it. Was that somewhere in, in, in the Denver Rockies? No. So that is, it was all filmed in, um, in Nashville. Part of it was filmed in Franklin, which is 30 minutes outside of Nashville. And then the other part, the waterfall is about an hour outside of Nashville, but I never knew this about Nashville, but we have like 10 different waterfalls all around the city and they're all beautiful. And so I just had the idea. I was like, we have to use this. I mean, you know, you don't get that everywhere. And so, so yeah, it was all filmed here. <laughs> I was wondering how you feel about having grown up and, and now uh, performing music in the modern era um, when it's all about social media and uh, making videos at home and, and, and getting them out there for people to see. People who won't, a lot of most of the people won't have ever um, seen you play live. How do you feel that against 10 or 15 years ago when you went out and played live and uh, a record company would take you on the make a record um, and then hope to get it played by the radio DJs and, and move from there? Yeah, I mean, there's good things and bad things. I guess with COVID hitting, um, it's been amazing that I was able to start my music career in February, right when this happened, and still be able to get my music out to out to listeners and um, still get feedback through social media and build a fan base through my Instagram and and Twitter and all the other outlets we have. And so that part of it is amazing. Um, but you know, there's also other aspects that I think are really hard, you know, now record labels are looking at you kind of, you know, they'll come in when you kind of have established everything else. Do you have a following already? Do you, how many subscribers on YouTube do you have? Um, how many Instagram followers do you have? And then if all those numbers make sense to them, then they'll kind of come in um, and, and sign you where it used to kind of more be, you know, they just hear you at a bar and they're like, Oh, who's that? We love your voice. Like we'll sign you. <laughs> So, so there's good and bad things, um, but I guess the positive right now is with COVID and a lot of live shows not happening, um, it's been awesome to have the internet and be able to still do what I love to do. Do you think then uh, that it stands you in better stead uh, as an artist if uh, having built up your own following, um, a record company came to you and said, okay, we want to take you on? Because traditionally, it was quite well known that they would say, uh, take you into a studio, 
give you a song to sing, tell you how to sing it, how to play it. And uh, do you think having having been so involved in your own career in terms of building a fan base based on the music that you like, that you write and you sing, then you're in a better position to say to them, uh, hold on, you know, this is what I do. This is how I do it. Um, Definitely. And I think a lot of, you know, independent artists have become such a thing because of the internet and it was really almost impossible to, to be an independent artist 15 years ago. Um, and so I think that's what's been amazing is you're able to put out your own music. You're able to upload to Spotify, Apple, um, make your own music videos without having a record label behind you. Um, I think having a record label definitely helps. You know, you get on those playlists and um, radio streams and, and just, you know, it's expensive being an independent artist. Um, and so the record labels definitely help with that. But you're right. I mean, it is awesome that I'm able to choose exactly what I want to sing and exactly how I want to do my music videos. Um, and so that is the great thing about being an independent artist. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 th- I think you're right. You get a call from a promoter, uh, forget, forget COVID for the moment, and uh, they say to you, uh, right, you've, uh, you've got a dream gig um, anywhere you like in the world and uh, with whoever you want to perform with on stage. Um, where would you choose and who would you choose to have up there with you? Um, I think it would definitely be at Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado. Um, that is like such a staple place. I've been to so many concerts there and I know for many artists, like that is number one on their list just because it's such a beautiful venue. Um, and it's outside and you know you just feel one with nature um so i definitely want to do red rocks and then i would probably do it with chris stapleton um i watched the cmas last night and i just thought his performance was so amazing and he's always been a favorite of mine i've always told people like if i could be the female version of chris stapleton like that would be amazing um and i just love his songwriting and his voice and so i think i'd perform with him Excellent choice. I'm going to have to uh, find out more about Red Rock um, because most of the US artists I've talked to, um, that's that's where they choose. And uh, I, to be honest with you, I hadn't heard of it before. But uh, it's, it, I mean, it sounds like a fabulous venue. Oh, yeah, you have to check it out. And plus, being a Colorado native, I have to say that. I mean, <laughs> I grew up, you know, hiking those rocks going to different concerts my entire life so yeah well i i wasn't totally surprised by your answer <laughs> but uh but yeah it's uh you know it's it's on my bucket list now okay going back to your music again um after the success of your first single blue you released a track called sos and um i'm led to believe that uh sos doesn't actually stand for uh, what we normally expect it to stand for. Um, so it does it actually stands for like same old um, S H I T? I don't mind cussing, but I don't know about your viewers. So. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of funny because it's a breakup song. 
and it's about this guy how you know she keeps giving him another chance and you know he keeps promising that it'll change or he keeps winning her back over with gifts and nice things and and she's like no like different nights same old s-h-i-t you know like i'm done and it's it's actually like a really empowering song because it's about a girl finally saying like no enough is enough i'm gonna stick up for myself like we're done and um i remember when i released the song i told everyone on social media i was like okay my next song is sos but it's it's not what you think it is like it stands for something else and so we had this huge guessing game and people filled the comments like a hundred comments of all the different things they thought it stood for and I was like, whoever guesses this, like, I'll give you a free, like, CQ hat. And um, it was super fun. And, and yeah, you're right. It, it doesn't stand for what you think it does. Okay. Well, we're going to hear a live acoustic version of that track in a minute. But uh, just before we do, uh, what's next? Um, you know, I just uh, recently, I'm looking for a new producer um, that I just kind of want to take my music in a different direction. Um, I've been able to write with amazing people since I came to town. Um, I'm writing with Zach Brown's right hand man right now and just a number of awesome um, other songwriters. And so I really want to start like writing my own music. Um, I have a couple recorded right now. I'm just working on some instrumentation pieces of it. And I just really want to create this sound for myself where like when, when you put it on, you know, it's me singing. Um, and you can just tell from the production of it and the way my voice sounds. And so I'm super excited about my next upcoming releases. Um, there'll be songs that I wrote and, um, and yeah, I'm just looking forward to that and just, just really kind of, you know, going more into my artistry and finding my own unique voice. Well, we'll certainly look forward to uh, hearing some of that new music in the near future. Um, in the meantime, I, I know you've, uh, traveled in the uk before but uh is there any chance we might see you over here performing oh my gosh absolutely i mean i absolutely love love traveling um you know it's killing me right now that i can't go over there right now because i'm i have the travel bug for sure and um absolutely love london i visited i've been there probably three times and um, I've been a couple other places too in like rural England and it's just, it's so beautiful and I hope to be back there soon and um, I hope to be able to play some shows over there as well. That sounds great. And uh, if you do manage to get over, uh, we'd really love it if you'd come over to our, our studios, small but intimate studio and uh, in North London and uh, play for us live. That, uh, that's what we, started all this doing and and like you we we can't wait to get back at it and uh you'd be more than welcome well, thank you so much i'd absolutely love that i hope we can do that someday soon in the future that'd be good okay well for the moment uh it's time to say goodbye and uh, just wish you luck with all your uh, current ventures and single releases coming up you as well thank you so much for this interview and it was so nice meeting you one, two, three.